the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us once again for our Anchored in Christ radio program. We've been working through our Sunday sermon series in the Gospel of Mark, and last time we were discussing the baptism of our Lord. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? Well, you're not alone. Even John the Baptist wondered it. This message discusses when Jesus arrived at the scene during one of John's baptisms and the amazing truths we can learn about our Lord and why he was baptized. So, here's the conclusion of the message entitled, When Jesus Arrives. So the baptism of Jesus Christ can be perplexing to many. Gnostics had a solution with the baptism of Jesus Christ. They would claim that Jesus was only a man. But that at his baptism was when his deity was infused into him. But we know that's incorrect because at the birth of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that he will be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He was God from the very get-go. Well, we, uh, so the question then arises, since he has no sin and since he is God, since he needed no repentance, why then would he need to be baptized? Well, the scripture offers us a couple answers. First of all, his baptism demonstrated his submission to fulfill all righteousness. If you're still at Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13, Jesus answered John. He said, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. You see, John recognized this dilemma. John wasn't perfect and he wasn't all-knowing, but he did know that his cousin Jesus was perfect. And in, his, in this instance, he even disputed a little with Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse number 14 of Matthew 3, John forbade him. John was saying, no, I'm not going to baptize you. John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? Well, John was basically saying, I'm the sinner. I need to be baptized of you. You don't need to be baptized of me. How John considered Jesus, interestingly, was different than how he treated the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the verses prior to all this. In Matthew 3, when John saw these religious hypocrites visiting his baptisms, John treated them differently than the way he treated Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was a spiritual, religious leader, if you will. Some called him just a religious teacher. But John treated him differently. When he saw these Sadducees and Pharisees, these religious hypocrites, verses 7 through 10, 
The Bible says, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptisms, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore meat, fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to rise, raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. He was calling the Sadducees and the Pharisees to repent and trust in God. He was calling them to the baptism. But when Jesus arrived, he said, No, I'm not going to baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. John's message was a strong confrontational message to these leaders. But Jesus was in a different category. Why? Because he towered over religion. He is far more elevated than religion. May I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, we do not believe in a religion. We believe in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is not our religion. That is our faith. That is our life. That is our substance in life, not a religion. And so, John disputed with Jesus Christ, but notice Jesus' answer. He said in verse number 15, Suffer it to be so now. Literally, he was saying, permit it at this time. It's an idiomatic phrase, a common statement of the day. Jesus was saying, don't hinder me. Stop hindering me. It was an unusual time. He was saying it's an unusual baptism, but it is necessary at this moment. Because Jesus said, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was saying, it is what we must do. One preacher said it this way. What does this mean? To fulfill all righteousness. It means to do everything that was right. To do absolutely everything that God required. Did John baptize because God required it? Yes, he did. John 1, says, He that sent me to baptize with water. God sent John to baptize with water. It was necessary he was referring to God. God had given him this message, and God had given this, him this method of symbolic responsibility. This was God's will. And Jesus was, in essence, saying in Matthew 13, verse 15, If this is what God commands, since this is what God commands, then I, as a man, must do what God commands, regardless of the fact that I am holy, I will still be obedient. This, was a, this is a wonderful insight to the comprehensive and complete obedience of Jesus Christ to the will of God the Father. Jesus himself said, I always do the will of God my Father. And this was his will. Jesus said, if God said for it to be done, then I will do this. It is that perfect and complete submission of Jesus Christ to God's will that is called righteousness, and it is this righteousness that is imputed upon those of us who have placed our faith in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus' complete submission in every aspect that God, God's will was for man, Jesus was obedient to it all.
That's why he was baptized. And there's a second answer to why Jesus was baptized, and it is this. His, baptize, his baptism demonstrated his identification with sinners. Not only was it his submission in obedience to God's will, but it was his demonstration of his identification with sinners. You see, Jesus not only fulfilled all righteousness actively by being obedient to God, but also passively in his death. Hebrews chapter 5 verse number 8 tells us, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. His death that he suffered was a substitute payment for sinners. He knew he knew no sin, yet he became sin for us. He, uh, the, um, thus he identified with sinners passively in his death. And when he replied to John, in essence, he was saying, John, let me be the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In his death at Calvary, he, in fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah 53, identified with sinners. The two thieves who were crucified with him there at Calvary, Jesus identified with these two sinners in the middle of them, the center cross. Isaiah 53, verse 12, tells us that he would be numbered with the transgressors. Transgressors. He would be baptized in death for sinners. He would be buried after his death for sinners. He would rise from the grave for sinners. It identified him with sinners. Jesus was saying, John, let me be baptized. I have taken a solemn resolution to take away the sin of the world and the guilt of sinners for whom I die. He must be baptized to satisfy the requirement of active righteousness in fulfillment of all the law, because he is the fulfillment of the law, and in his passive righteousness in dying and being um, uh, identified with sinners. And here is the amazing truth about all this. We know, as believers, when we first trust Christ as Savior, we, in following obedience to Christ, we symbolically get baptized in identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We identify with Him, but He first identified with us. He identified with sinners in his baptism. We identify with our Savior in our baptism. So we see, number one, his revelation of his public ministry. Number two, his submission to his public ministry. And lastly, I want you to see, when he arrived, we see his affirmation to his public ministry. Look in verses 10 and 11. It says, And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. As Jesus came out of the water, there was a public coronation day for the king. This was an affirmation, a divine statement of fact. And this affirmation had two parts. First, there was a visible part and there was an audible part. 
Let's look at the visible affirmation. In Mark chapter 1, going back there, if you would, verse number 10, it says, And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. Some would claim that when the heavens were ripped open and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on Jesus, well, that was only a vision of John. However, John boldly claimed it wasn't a vision. He said, I saw. This was literally a, an actual thing that not only I saw, but there were other people around me that saw it too. It was a visible affirmation. In John chapter 1, verse 32, he said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. I saw, and the Greek language talks about a physical sight, not a mental dream, a physical sight. So, it was clear that there was visible affirmation from the heavens. And here's an interesting thing. In that phrase, the heavens opened. That word in the Greek language is schizomenos, from which we get the word schism, meaning to tear apart or to divide. The only other time that this word is used was when Jesus Christ was crucified and he died and he gave up the ghost. The Bible says that the veil was schizomenos, rent, ripped apart violently into. Now, one would think that if something dramatic like the tearing of heavens to open up were to happen, something violent was about to take place. I mean, if you went and you saw that, wouldn't that draw your attention to it? And you would think, whoa, this is this massive, dramatic, amazing entrance or this, this opening up. But what happens? The Spirit of God like a dove, gently comes down. The Bible doesn't say that the Spirit, as a dove, came down. He was not the, a dove. It says the Spirit, like a dove, descended. Now, the dove is the gentlest of all birds. And even in our house, we have two doves that uh, are just right outside our sliding glass door, and every morning I'm there, I read my Bible, and I hear them cooing and, and flapping around. And I look at them, and they're just so, you know, really peaceful and serene and gentle. I've seen uh, sparrows, I've seen crows, I've seen hawks right there, and I don't think, oh, look how gentle they are. But here, two doves, just sitting there cooing, peacefully cooing. Then I fall asleep. No, I'm kidding. But when Jesus arrived to be baptized, the Spirit gently descended like a dove, not as a dove, but like a dove upon Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes, when he arrives, the Spirit of God is also present. This is a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his, his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42 verse number one says, Behold my servant, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So we have the visual affirmation of the Holy Spirit. How does this apply to us? Well, my dear friends, we need God's Spirit in our midst. We need God's Spirit in every service. We need God's Spirit upon us every time we open the Word of God. We need God's Spirit in our homes. We need God's Spirit in our workplace. We need God's Spirit with us. And yes, when we travel, wherever we go, because we are born again, the Bible tells us that His Spirit is in us because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And having the Spirit also wields the availability of amazing power. Acts 1.8 But ye shall receive power. After that, what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. So when Jesus came, when Jesus arrived, the Holy Spirit arrived. And then secondly, I want you to see the audible affirmation. Back in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, it says, And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here we read of God the Father's affirmation of Christ's public ministry. And he said, Thou art my beloved Son, you're my Son, in whom I love, and in you I am well pleased. What was he saying there? First, God the Father was affirming who Jesus was. He is the Son, the beloved Son. That is affirming that Jesus Christ was, is, and always will be God, divinity, divine. Being the Son of someone. To the, the Hebrews, in that language, it's beautiful because it identifies with who the family is. And being a son, know, people know that one day he will have the same authority as the father. But in this language, when God said, God the Father said, Thou art my beloved son, he was basically saying and affirming that he had the same nature as God the Father. And he was one with God. It was an affirmation of Jesus' co-equality and co-eternality with God. And he says, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father was claiming that all that Jesus is and will do always satisfies him. Is always pleasing to him. He was affirming what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the express image of his person. God the Father was announcing to the ears of all that were there at the baptism, not just to John, but also to the multitudes that Jesus Christ is almighty and Jesus Christ has all authority. And everything that he does 
satisfies him. This was our Lord's coronation day. And I close with this. When Jesus arrived, it was a momentous event. It was the revelation of who he is and was. It was his demonstration of obedience. And it was his affirmation of his authority above everything. And he will show that to us as we go through the book of Mark. And it will start with him demonstrating his absolute authority over the spirit realm when he is confronted by Satan in the wilderness. And that is next week. So the need of the hour is this. We see that when Christ arrived, it's about him. Just him. He's the main event. I ask you this question. Is Jesus Christ all about him in your life? Is your life all about Jesus Christ? When Jesus Christ arrived, he demonstrated submission. Are you submissive and obedient to God's will? And when Jesus Christ arrived, God affirmed his authority. I ask you this. Do you live by the authority of God and his word? Are you living truly for Jesus? Because he's here. He's arrived. Is it true and does it show in our lives? If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. and our morning worship begins at 1045 then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-804. 3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening, and may God keep you anchored in Christ.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.